Amen. Good to see each one this morning. You have your Bibles. Turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. We're just going to look at one verse there, and we got other verses to look at this morning. But we want to use this as a springboard as we're in a series that we've entitled Sounding the Alarm from Within. Now, today we want to look at our Christian responsibility. You see, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are responsible to God for certain things, especially when it comes to our government. Now, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2 says this, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. So what the proverb writer is saying is when the godly people are running a nation, the people of that nation have plenty to rejoice about. But he goes on and he says, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. I want to suggest to you this morning, there's a lot of groaning going on within our nation because we got a lot of wicked people in positions of leadership within the United States of America because Christian people have been failing on their responsibility as to who they put in office in elected positions. Now, Election Day is almost here. In fact, early voting began this past Tuesday, October the 13th, And if you do not believe that America is the land of promise, just listen to politicians because it's promise, promise, promises. All kind of promises right now from politicians, is it not? Now, a four-year-old girl tugged on her dad who had been watching these political talk shows and, and she stopped him and she said, Daddy, please read me a fairy tale. Well, by now, the dad was tired of seeing and and hearing all these campaign ads and this rhetoric. So he agreed to read his little four-year-old daughter a fairy tale. And as all fairy tales begin, he began reading by saying, once upon a time. Isn't that how all fairy tales begin? Once upon a time. Well, she interrupted him, and she looked up into his face, and she said, Dad, does all fairy tales begin with once upon a time. And he looked at her and he said, No, sweetheart, most fairy tales begin with when I am elected. Boy, that's the way it is. Looky here, I once heard it said that if Christopher Columbus was around today, he could have been the greatest politician of all time. You see, when he left, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he came back, he didn't know where he had been. And he done it all on somebody else's dime, okay? Isn't that the way politicians are? Look, I want to suggest to you this morning, there are politicians and there are statesmen. But I believe that we have far too many politicians and not enough statesmen within our nation today. Look here, what we need in America today are statesmen who will lead not based on opinion polls, not based on political parties, not based on promises made to uh, campaign contributors, but men and women who will lead based upon biblical principles and what is best for the American people. You know, in America, for the, for the godly to be in authority, we as Christian people have to exercise our Christian responsibility. And folks, we have to get out there and we have to vote for them. That's pretty simple. You see, elections are the basic part 
of how government works. And if Christian people do, do not do our part in electing people who have our values, in electing people who hold our standards, in electing people who hold to our core convictions, you know, who hold to our biblical principles, then the ungodly will be put in office. And as the proverb writer says, when the ungodly are put in office, the people moan. We as Christians, folks, we have got to begin taking back our nation. We have got to begin, you know, bringing in people who hold our, you know, uh, uh, our core values and our biblical principles. Now, according to a Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life, get this, okay? 79.5% of the American voting population identified themselves as Christians. Let me say that again. 79.5% of the voting population of the United States of America identified themselves as Christians. Now think about that for a moment. 79.5% of the voters in the United States claim to identify with Jesus Christ. Now, if 79.5% of the voters in the United States claim to identify with Jesus Christ, yet only 59% voted in the 2012 presidential election, you know, uh, what does that tell you could have been and should have been if the 79.5% had a, who dare align themselves with Jesus Christ had a voted based upon their Christian conviction? Now, do I believe that 79.5% of the people, the voting population in the United States of America are Christians? No, I don't. No, I don't. You say, well, where in the world do you get that idea? Well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, uh, 7, verse 21, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord. Okay? Did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out many devils. In your name done many wonderful works. You know what Jesus is saying? There's a lot of people on that day of judgment going to who thought they were Christians, are going to find out they're not. So, no, I don't believe that 79.5% of the American uh, voting population is Christians. But studies do show this, that 60-plus million evangelical Christians are in America. Now, during the uh, 2012 election, like I say, 59% of evangelicals voted. And in the 2016 election... That figure rose to as many as 61% of evangelicals voting. Now, can you imagine if we could get that figure to 70% of evangel uh, evangelicals who claim to be Christians to cast their votes based upon their bi biblical values rather than voting for a person who promises them food stamps, free health care, free college, and free housing? Folks, we can control this nation with godly people. With godly people. Look, why is it our responsibilities as believers in Jesus Christ to be involved in government? You know, though some say Christians should stay out of politics and keep politics out of the church, they don't understand the history of our great nation. Let me just give you a, a brief history lesson, okay? You know, they, many people have never heard of the Black Robe Regiment. Some of you probably here this morning have never heard. You say, what in the world is the Black Robe Regiment? Regiment. Let me explain that to you for just a moment. The Black Robe Regiment was the name given by the British, okay? They placed this name upon the courageous and patriotic American clergy during the founding era of our nation. 
You see, the Black Robe Regiment was men of God who spoke out concerning the issues of the day, and they were instrumental in America winning her independence. Every Sunday, these patriotic, you know, uh, 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 pastors, these courageous pastors, they would stand in their pulpits wearing their long black, you know, robes, and they would preach the Word of God without fear and with boldness and with unapologetic. You know, these men were godly men who would get in their pulpits and they would basically tell the people what and who they should vote for and who they should not vote for because they understood that in order to have a great government, you have to have great citizens. And the way to have great citizens is to have great people that are rooted in the foundation of the Word of God. Week after week after week, these guys would expound on the principles of the proper role of government and the proper role of individuals all underneath the kingship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, as these pastors, they did not just teach the principles of independence. They participated on the battlefield to secure that independence. Now, let me give you one of the numerous examples, okay? You know, uh, it's the pastor Jonas Clark. In fact, we've all heard about Paul Revere's famous ride. Everybody's probably heard about that, okay? But, excuse me. When, when Paul Revere set off on his famous ride shouting, the British are coming, the British are coming. You know where he was headed? He wasn't just riding through town to let people know that the British are coming, the British are coming. He was headed to the home of Pastor Clark in Lexington. Now, patriotic leaders John Hancock and Samuel Adams was lodging with Reverend Clark, you know, as they often did. And after learning about, you know, the, the approaching British forces, Hancock and Adams, they turned to Pastor Clark and they asked him, he said, are the people ready to fight? And Pastor Clark said, I have trained them for this very hour. I have trained them for a very... Listen, what is wrong with America? Let me tell you what's wrong with America. This type of vigor has left our pulpits, and because of it, America is lacking great citizens. Therefore, we're lacking great leaders. You see, the idea of the church that should stay out of the government, you know, uh, you know, that's what's gotten us to the point where we are as a nation. The fact is, the church should be an influence in government, and no person, I'm going to say this a couple of times so you'll understand what I'm saying here. No person, I do not believe, should be elected to an office in our great nation who him or herself is not guided by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now you say, Pastor, are you saying only Christians should be elected to office? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, only Christians should be elected. That's the way it started, folks. That's why America used to be, you know, one nation under God. And that's why we're not no more. We've got people, you know, making laws, you know, for our nation that could care less what God thinks about the laws they make. Let, let, let's get started on this this morning. First thing I want you to see here is this. Government is one of the three institutions that God established. He established government, he established the family, and he established the church. Now, the book of Romans 13 says this, For there is no authority except from God, 
And those which exist are established by God. Okay? Now, look here. No one will argue the fact that because God instituted the family that we as Christians are responsible to make sure our family stays pure and free from spot or wrinkle. No one would argue the fact that because God created the church that we as Christian people are responsible to make sure the church remains pure and free from spot or wrinkle. But for some reason when it comes to government, you know, know, people say, well, it's hands off for Christian. Folks, government is one of the three things that God instituted. And we're going to look at that here in just a moment. Look, for years we were told that the church and politics are like oil and water and they don't mix. That could be no further from the truth, folks. No further from the truth. The family is in bad shape today. But what kind of shape would the family be if if we had the same mentality about our family as we do the government? The church is not in real good shape today. But how far would it be if we had the same mentality, you know, that we have with the family? But... Listen, if Christians do not begin involving themselves in the political scene and take more of an interest in what's happening within our government, we are headed for a cliff that has no bottom to it. Look, since God established and instituted uh, uh, the institution of government, would he then tell us to keep your hands off? Think about that. If God created or is god established and we're going to see here in just a moment he did but if god established the institution of the government trust me he would not tell his people but keep your hands off of it look god expects us to get involved and make a positive impact and lead the way to real and lasting change just as christians have done since the founding of this nation look One form of government, or our form of government, is based on biblical principles. What you see, the way we're set up as a nation today, is all based on biblical principles. Many don't realize that our entire government system was founded on biblical principles. In fact, Moses, when he was instructed by God to set up a governmental system for Israel, God was very clear to Moses on the character of those who would be chosen Here's what God told Moses in Exodus chapter 18, verse 21. He said, select. Now, look at God said. He was giving Moses instruction how to set up the government for Israel. He said, Moses, first of all, select capable men from all the people. Then he said, the second thing, Moses, select men who fear God. And the third thing, Moses, select trustworthy people who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them. Them. Who is them? Make a reference to. Those who are capable, those who fear God, and those who are trustworthy. Appoint them over the thousands, the hundreds, the fifties, and the tens. Let's take a look at that for just a moment. First of all, he said, pick capable men. Look, our Christian responsibility is to seek out men and women who are capable of carrying out the responsibility of the office that he or she is running for. Look, one reason our nation is in the shape that it's in today, folks, is because in 2008 and again in 2012, people elected a man to the White House who was not capable of handling the job. And and, and not only the White House, but they voted for people in the Senate, 
They voted for people in the House. They voted for governors, mayors on down the line, you know, who were not capable of doing the job, all because they was voting for a political party instead of seeking God for men who are capable of carrying out the task. The second thing, what did he say? God-fearing people. God-fearing men. Look, if a person does not fear God, this is what we're saying, if a person does not fear God, that person will not make decisions based on how God may view their decision. They could care less how God cares. Oh, I'm going to vote for, you know, killing babies up to the 40th week. In fact, I'm going to vote like we talked about last week about even delivering a baby and then making a decision whether we want it to live or not. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care how God looks at it. You see, that's what happens, folks, when we do not elect people who fear God. They could care less about the decisions that they make. I fear that because of a lack of Christians fulfilling our responsibility, our government is saturated with ungodly men and women who could care less how God feels about the decisions that they make. Now, I, I want to say this. I applaud men like Congressman Louis Gohmert and Senator Ted Cruz, who I believe, who I believe allow their Christian convic- uh, convictions to influence the decisions they make. Look here. But I shudder at the thought. I shudder at the thought of men and women like Chuck Schumer and Stinney Hoyer and Nancy Pelosi and Kamalia Harris and AOC and many others in leadership positions who thumb their nose at God and His written Word. Look, when we step into the voting booth, folks, we need to leave our donkey, we need to leave our elephant at the house, and we need to vote based upon our homework as we've looked and we see where all these men and women stand on issues that affect us as Christians and affect us as a nation. And don't just listen to what they say on a campaign ad. I will assure you, most of what you hear on a campaign ad is not true. Okay? It's not true. Okay? But look at their voting record. Look here. Pretty much everybody now has access to the Internet. And you can find the voting record of every politician on the Internet. Look, as Christians, We must vote for men and women who have the fear of God before their eyes, on their heart, in all that they do, and therefore will not involve themselves with those things that the evil politicians do. And the third thing he said, Moses, when you're setting up this government, pick trustworthy men and women. You see, men and women who are honest and true in their own hearts and their lives and are not afraid of speaking the truth. You know, and and they're not afraid to judge according to their truth. You know, if there's one thing missing in our government today, folks, is trustworthy people. Trustworthy people. You know, the only thing that you can know about politicians today, okay, is that they will not tell you the truth. They will not. That's the only thing we know for sure. Most politicians, not all, but most, you know, it is pretty easy to see or to know when they're lying. Okay? Look here. I've done some study on body language. So let me give you some insight on how to watch the body language of a politician and you can begin to pick out if they're telling the truth or not. Watch their lips. If their lips are moving, they're probably not telling you the truth. 
Okay? I mean, that, that, that's kind of difficult to learn, but, you know, watch their lips. I mean, that's just the way most politicians are. Folks, listen, we must carry out our responsibility as Christians, and we have to return our nation back to a nation that fears God. I want to suggest to you this morning, our nation as a whole does not fear God. God said these officials would be over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. You see, these characteristics apply to those desiring to serve from the White House to the school board. That's why he said set them up, because some's going to serve over thousands, some's going to serve over hundreds, and that's the, that, that's the system of government. Look, also, our system of checks and balances between the branches of government, did you know that that too, okay, is based on biblical principles? Let me say that again. Our system of checks and balances between the branches of government. We've got three branches of government, correct? Okay, look, look what Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two says. The Lord is our judge. What branch of uh, is that? The judicial branch. The Lord is our lawgiver. The legislative branch. The Lord is our king. The executive branch. It is he who will save us. So you see, our whole system of government, folks, is biblically based. It's biblically based. When God gave Isaiah these instructions, we must never forget that Judeo-Christian principles are what founded this nation, and it is those same principles we must return to if there's going to be hope for this nation. So when you look back, you find that Christians have been involved in the, not only the founding, but the shaping of American culture and government from the very beginning. But it's the lies of the devil that we believe when we conclude, well, there's no se- uh, there's separation between the church and the state, so we ought not be involved in politics. Folks, again, that's the way God set it up. Listen, Jesus said, he said, guys, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. The only way to make a difference in culture, if we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world, that means we're to make a difference in this world. And the only way to make a difference in culture is to be involved in it. So if we're not involved in it, how are we going to be salt and light? We have to be involved, folks. We have to be. We must bring our Christian faith and our values to, uh, to, to bear on our culture and our government just as we have done from the beginning. Remember what we said last week, Hosea said, put the trumpets to your lips and give a warning. That's how we become salt and light. By giving a warning, by being involved. He said, put the trumpet to your lips and give warning because the enemy is swooping down on the Lord's people like an eagle to his prey. You know what? And as a result, we are rapidly losing our rights, our families, our churches, and our liberty to liberals who could care less about God and his word. Now, the second thing we see here is this. Christians must vote our values. Think about it. When we vote, we help determine who will lead our nation. We help determine who will make our laws. And we determine who is going to protect 
our freedom. Now, I want you to look at that just for a moment. When we vote, we help determine who is going to lead our nation. That's the executive branch. In other words, we determine who's going to be president, who's going to lead this nation. We determine who is going to make our laws. That is Congress, the legislative branch. And we determine who is going to protect our freedoms. That's the judicial branch, the Supreme Court. You, you see how God laid all of this out for us, folks? So our government is biblically based. Everything is built upon, you know, the Word of God. Look, don't we see that if, if those who call themselves Christians would go to the polls and vote their values rather than their parties, we could get a hold on this downward spiral that we're in. Think about that. Again, I don't believe that 79.5% of, of the voting population are Christians. I just don't, I'm not going to buy into that. But if they do want to identify themselves as Christians, do you see the difference that 79.5% could make in our nation? Do you see that? Church, it's time we put the trumpet to our mouth. It's time we put the trumpet to our mouth and sound the warning. When Christians retreat from the area of government, what we do is allow Satan to prevail in a place where Christ has commanded us to make an impact as salt and light. You know, there's an old proverb that <coughs> said this, that says this, bad politicians are elected because good people don't vote. Think about that. Here's another very disturbing result of a study by the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. This was taken a number of years ago. But this study showed this, that 62% of Americans say that their faith has little to do with their voting decisions. Look, many believers, many believers do not even consider their Christian values when voting, you know, often choosing candidates whose positions are at odds with our beliefs and our convictions and our values. Again, 62% of Americans, this is sad, folks, say that their faith has little to do with their voting decisions. You, you know what that means? That 62% of the people who identify as Christians, who would say, you know, I, I'm a child of God, I, I align myself with Christ, that 62% of the people who go in that voting booth they could care less what that politician stands for. They could care less. They're not going to elect, uh, let their Christian values affect the way they vote. And that's tra tragic because Jesus expects us to influence every part of culture and society as salt and light, including this democratic process that we live in. Let, let, me, let me just close with a couple of things here. Founding father John Jay, was appointed to, by George Washington as the first chief justice of the Supreme Court. Okay? John Jay. He was, a, he was appointed by George Washington as the first chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, in a letter addressed to the Pennsylvania House of Representatives uh, member John Murray, and it was dated October the 12th, 1816, here's what John Jay wrote. I think we're going to throw it up here on the screen for you. John Jay had this to say, it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation, now look what he has to say here, to prefer, to select and prefer Christians as our rulers. Now this is the 
first chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. He wrote this letter. Okay? He, he, he wrote this letter to the Pennsylvania House of Representative member John Murray. And he said, Murray, it's our duty. Now, you understand what duty means. It's our duty as well as a privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. Well, that's big, folks. You know, th this is from our first chief justice of the Supreme Court. I mean, let me, I, I thought this was funny. It, it's just a thought that passed through my head. I don't know how many of you watched the uh, hearings to confirm Judge Amy Barrett this past week. But what do you think if during these hearings, Judge Amy Barrett would have said something like this at those hearings? What do you think them Democrats would have done, okay? If Judge Barrett would have said, you know, I think it's our duty and our privilege and our interest as Christians to only put Christians in the three branches of government. How well do you think that would have went over? Not well at all. Yet, yet that used to be the thinking of our branches of government. What has happened to that, folks? Where, where has that gone? Where has that gone? What has happened to that way of thinking? How did we move from a nation of Christians being concerned about our nation and the morals of those running our nation to people who could care less? Let me just close with my counsel to the people of God. I think it's time we return to the mentality of seeking men and women to elected offices who only hold our Judeo-Christian beliefs. And if they thumb their nose in the face of God and His Word, then we must refuse to vote for them. You hear what I'm saying? We must refuse to vote for them. If they stand proudly and they boast of their support of killing 1.3 million unborn children in America every year through the ungodly act of abortion, we must stand boldly and say, I will not support you. I will not vote for you. If they stand boldly and they stand proudly and, and they say, you know, that we, uh, you know, believe that we should change God's design from marriage from one man to one woman, that people ought to be able to marry who they want to, the same-sex marriage, then we as God, children of God should stand proudly and boldly and say, we will not vote for you. Look, if they stand proudly and boldly of their support doing away with our religious freedoms by any way, including but not limited to the demanding of emails, text messages, letters, and sermons from our pastors who, who do have the courage to stand boldly in their pulpit and preach the true Word of God, then we as children of God must stand boldly and say, you'll not get my vote. You'll not get my vote. That's my opinion, and I'm not going to waver from it, okay? Listen, our loyalty does not lie with any political party. Rather, our loyalty as children of God needs to be first, last, and always to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and Him only. That's the only way we're going to be soft and light. 
in this old wicked world. What about you? When you go into the voting booth, do you consider those you're voting for and their voting record? Or you say, well, I'm going to vote for this person because this person has promised me free housing. This person has promised me free, you know, uh, education. This person has promised me all these promises of free things. Do, do, do we realize there's nothing in life free? Somebody's paying for that stuff. And the person paying for that stuff is the working man. Okay? There's nothing free. Yet so many people will vote for someone because they promise them something for free. Church, it's time we get back to taking a look at our government and the system of our government and see that God founded our government. God founded the government of the United States of America based upon his biblical principles, and we have to stand firm on those.